North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, I hope you guys are doing good today. Uh, We are in the thick of the Christmas season, aren't we? It is here. It is time. Hot chocolate out in the foyer. I know that you guys are baking goodies at home and getting yourselves ready, making Christmas plans. Gifts are starting to show up under your tree. Lights are up at people's houses. How many of you decorate your house with lights and stuff? You you do the light thing. The others of you are like Scrooges and, and Grinches and stuff. That's okay. That's okay, you can, you can be that way. And, and what's so good about this time of year is it's the only time of year where it's appropriate to drive really slow through the nice neighborhoods and kind of case the place. You know what I'm talking about? Like you can drive real slow and you're not being super creepy. It was funny, we were looking at lights the other day with our family, we were right up over here and there's a house with a gigantic um, snowman's head and it has eyes that move and a mouth that moves and so we stopped there and we rolled down our windows all sketchy like and we stayed there and we just listened to that thing sing to us for about 10 minutes. It was awesome and people are like coming in and out of their house looking at us. We're like, hey, don't worry about us. We're just looking at your stuff here. We're just casing the joint and so, but it's, it's uh, you know, that's what Christmas is all about, driving by people's houses and judging them on their decorations or lack thereof uh, but that's, it's awesome. It's Christmas time and that's what is going on? Christmas time is great. The smell of goodies in the house. You see everybody in their Christmas sweaters. It's so good. Everybody's wearing. And, and the ugly Christmas sweater has now become a thing. It's like a cool thing. And um, <clears throat> it's funny because you don't always know if people are wearing ugly Christmas sweaters to kind of be funny and ironic or if they're wearing an ugly Christmas sweater but they think it's a cool Christmas sweater. You know what I mean? So you got to be careful in how you speak to people about their Christmas sweaters. You can't say, oh, that's such an ugly Christmas sweater. It's so awesome. And they're like, this is not ugly. This is awesome. So you got to be careful with those. And so you just kind of, you know, heads up with that. Christmas music is playing in the stores, and it's finally seasonally appropriate. Right? They start that in October, and it's like, eh, not ready yet. But now, hey, Christmas music in the stores, you're all about it, right? Come on. Um, You know, even like some of those traditional songs you're seeing in the stores and some of the non-traditional, more more contemporary songs are playing now. And and I thought we were going to make it the whole year without worrying about the Justin Bieber Christmas CD that my kids, uh, for whatever reason, I blame my sister, their aunt, for introducing them to that stupid thing. But they love it. Now they have to play it all, all the time. We were about ready to make it through without that Justin Bieber Christmas CD. But this last Friday... You know, Lydia from the back of the van says, Daddy, put Justin Bieber in. And they're like, no. You know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Um, it, he takes a lot of liberties with the lyrics in some of these songs. And, and uh, it's, it's pretty catchy, but really strange. Um, and they love the drummer boy. They love the little drummer boy Justin Bieber version. Um, has anybody ever heard it? I could sing it for you. You guys want me to sing it for you? It's pretty good. So, so it's, it kind of starts out all like cool and mellow and stuff like that, and then it turns into like Justin Bieber rap. And so let me, let me find the beat in my head. Here we go. <laughs> so this is, this, is, this is what we hear all Christmas season in my house. It goes like this. So the second verse, Justin Bieber's version of the drummer boy. It says like this. He goes, rump pum pum rump pum 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 Yam on the drum, yam on the snare drum. Yam on the beat because the beat goes dumb and the only spare heat because I'm playing for the sun, playing for the king, playing for the title. I'm surprised you didn't hear this in the Bible. I'm so tight, I might go psycho Christmas time, so here's the recital. I'm so bad like Michael, I know I'm still young, but I go, I go stupid, stupid, love like Cupid. I'm the drummer boy, so do, do. Come on. 
pretty good. I just about passed out. I don't know where to breathe in that one. It's getting all lightheaded. I'm not going to make it. Going down. It's funny. Yeah, I've heard that song way too much. It haunts my dreams. It's the thing in nightmares, but that's what we're all about. Listen to those words. You're like, are we singing about Jesus or Michael Jackson? I don't, I don't get it. That's the world we live in, right? It's funny. Even some of the traditional Christmas songs have strange lyrics. Uh, the, the comedian Hawkins, he, he did a bit a while back. He was talking about uh, the song, Do You Hear What I Hear, that old traditional Christmas song. You know, you don't, we don't listen to the words. We just sing it, and it makes us feel so good. Do you hear what I hear? You know, those things. And the third verse on that is funny. <clears throat> it says, said the shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know in your palace walls, mighty king? And so the, the shepherd boy is singing to the king, and this is what he says. He says, a child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. And then we sing that and we feel all Christmassy and nice inside, don't we? But the reality is, and I don't really want to be that guy, you know, Mr. Literal, but, but if you see a child shivering in the cold, maybe silver and gold isn't the best gift. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> a blanket, you know? Some warm soup, perhaps, you know, a scarf, mittens, something. You could think of a lot of things better than silver and gold. We could think of something better. Silver and gold would be nice. I wouldn't mind silver and gold. If you were thinking about getting me something for Christmas, I'd bring on the silver and gold. But the reality is that oftentimes we think we know what we want, but Jesus always gives us what we need, right? Jesus always gives us what we need. We, we look around and we have our Christmas list and our Christmas wishes and stuff like that. We think we know what we want. We look to God, we look to Scripture, and we open up Scripture almost like it's a, it's a Christmas catalog. Like those old J.C. Penney catalogs saying, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And then we give it back to God as our little wish list thinking this would be nice if I had all of this. But God looks at that and Jesus looks at that and says, look, I'm not so concerned about what you want. I'm more concerned about what you need because you give me all of these things that you want and I'm giving you something way better. And so the great thing about who we are and being in relationship with God is we can bring our requests to them, our, our requests to God. And oftentimes those requests are riddled with selfish immaturity. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you something better. The title of the message today is Something Better. We've been in this No Vacancy series for the last couple of weeks, and we've been, we've been talking about our responsibility, about having to make room for Jesus, and we can't blame the world for not making room for Jesus when we don't make room for Jesus, and we looked at the fact that um, God will never reject us. God always makes room for Jesus, and how Mary and Joseph made room for the shepherds when nobody made room for them, and, and how the manger and the cross both just radically declared that there is always room for one more at the foot of the cross. There's always room for one more at the manger, for more people, for people that the world has rejected and put on the outside and marginalized. There's always room for us in the cross and the manger, and that is so, so good. And so we're talking about making room for Jesus, and, and something happens when you make room for Jesus in your life. You get Jesus, and Jesus is enough, amen? If you know anything about Jesus and, and he's your Lord and Savior and he's in your life, then you know that Jesus is enough. But something happens when you begin to make room for Jesus. You get Jesus, but you also get so much more. 
And, and kind of thinking about it in this Christmas gift-giving time, it's like when you get your kid a toy and it comes in the big package and like there's a main part of the toy and then it comes with a bunch of accessories. You know what I'm talking about? And then so you have to open them up. You have to cut all those accessories out or pop them out. And, and there's like 10 to 20 different accessories in there. And most of the time they either get vacuumed up or, or thrown in the trash or just completely discarded or you never pop them out anyway. Um, what happens when we get Jesus, we don't just get Jesus. Jesus comes with a bunch of accessories. Think about it this way. Uh, our, Pastor RJ was up here just a bit ago saying, you know, Jesus came to give us life, and that's enough. But he didn't just come to give us life. He came to give us life abundantly. And so Jesus gives us all sorts of accessories. But this is what we do oftentimes as believers. We barely make room for Jesus. And then because we barely make room for Jesus, we don't have time for any of the accessories that come with him. And so we are content as believers, as Christians, to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, to believe on him for salvation, but then we're content to live miserable, angry, depressed, defeated, hopeless, full of anxiety, fear, worries, and doubt because we think, oh, just Jesus and no more. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And so we as believers have to quit just barely opening the door for Jesus and say, you can, you can get in if you can kind of squeeze through. And we have to throw that door wide open for him and say, Jesus, I want you and everything else you have to offer to come be with me and in my life. And so I would submit to you this morning that the accessories that come with Jesus are way better than what we're looking for, asking for, or wishing for on our own. So let me explain to you what we mean. Um, we're going to spend the rest of our time really looking at three accessories that come with Jesus um, and we'll just go through this uh, real quick. The first one is this, peace. Peace. How many of you could use some peace in your life this morning? I think we all could. And I think it's ironic that the time of year that we celebrate the Prince, of, the Prince of Peace coming to earth seems to be the time of year when peace is the furthest thing from our life. Christmas can be a fun time of year. Christmas is a fun time of year. It's the most wonderful time of year. But it could also be the most stressful time of year, can't it? Shopping for gifts at the store can be stressful, dealing with all of those people. Shopping for gifts online can be stressful, especially when you hit the button and you put it in your cart and it says estimated shipping delivery date is December 27th. You're like, ah, it's not going to work, right? It can be stressful. Deciding where your family is going to spend the holidays and which set of in-laws you're going to disappoint this year can be stressful. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you are, are required to attend 17 different family Christmases and you have to be at every one so nobody gets mad. And it can be stressful. It can be stressful. Some are here today and, and you're not just dealing with seasonal stress. There's something else going on in your life that has elevated the seriousness of the situation that you're going through. Maybe you've gotten a bad medical report or um, your relationships are, are struggling or they're going through a divorce or... or or some sort of painful reconciliation, and it's difficult. Maybe you're here today, and 
coming to the end of the year and you're going through job performance reviews and you realize that it didn't go so well for you this year and you're not getting the bonus that you were looking for. You're not getting the pay raise that you were expecting. And so you're approaching 2018 with a lot of fear and worry, thinking, I don't know how we're going to survive all of this. Maybe you're here today and, and you're getting ready to approach this Christmas season and this is the first Christmas that you will spend together um, after losing a loved one or a family member and you're facing a whole lot of stress and anxiety and it's legitimate and it's real. It's hard to know what to do or where to turn, but there's good news. When you have Jesus, peace comes with him. When we get Jesus, we also get peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Jesus says, I'm giving you something. I have something to offer, not just myself, but there's more. It's peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is saying, there is something that comes with me that the world doesn't understand, and it's peace. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that they will never be able to explain. It's a peace that they will never be able to mimic. It's a peace that the world doesn't know, that a world can't give. I am giving you this peace. I think it's important in this to realize what Jesus is saying, but also what he's not saying. Jesus isn't saying that he will make everything around us peaceful and perfect. He says he will give us peace of mind and heart. Jesus says, I'm going to give you peace in a way that it can never be taken from you. No matter what the season, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter how big the storm is, no matter how hard life is, I am giving you a peace that cannot be taken from you. This is so important. This is, this is why um, we see uh, Christians in countries where it's illegal to serve Christ have peace in the underground church. This is why we see missionaries willing to go and, and put everything on the line for the sake of the gospel. This is why in the New Testament, when the apostles were writing the New Testament to a persecuted church, they could say crazy things like, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kind. Now, there is a strangeness to those statements because there is a supernatural peace that underlines everything that they're saying. How can you have peace in the circumstances that you're in? And they would always point back to Jesus and say, the peace that I have is something supernatural and it's something altogether different. Because we don't really understand peace. Oftentimes when we say, I just want some peace, or when we as parents get frustrated and say, I just need some peace and quiet, right? Anybody said that? What we really mean is, I, I need an escape. I just need some time. I want an escape. I want out of this situation. I don't want to deal with the stress of it anymore. I don't want to deal with the chaos of it. I don't want to deal with the pain. I don't want to deal with the discomfort. I don't want to deal with this storm anymore. I need an escape. I don't want to think about it. I don't, I don't want to have to try to fix it. I don't want to worry about it anymore. I just want to be somewhere that is not here. I want to be somewhere different, preferably with a beach, with the sun, and an umbrella of some sort. I just want to be somewhere different. I want an escape. And while most of us daydream about an escape, Jesus is saying, no, you don't need an escape. I have something so much better. See, Jesus isn't an escape. Jesus is peace. Jesus is peace. He's not an escape from reality, but peace no matter what your reality is. Jesus is peace. 
There's a story about a king who, who was looking for the perfect picture of peace, a, a painting that perfectly um, depicted what peace was like. And as he was searching the kingdom, trying to find a, a painting that would satisfy his version of peace, he got frustrated because he couldn't find one. And so he, he decided to make a contest and, and, and put the word out to the entire kingdom and say he wanted all the artists in the land to paint their rendition of peace and bring it to the king and, and, and let him look at that. And he was going to choose a winner with a prize and everything. So the day came and, and all the artists had submitted their, their pictures and, and the city was all gathered together in the town square and they were excited to see um, this new masterpiece that was being touted as the vision of peace. And and so all the crowd was there gathered, and they would take a, a sheet off of a painting, and they would ooh and awe, ah, and each painting was better than the next. And, and it was just so wonderful, the talent in these artists. And they came back to uh, the last two. They came down to the last two paintings, and one of the king's men pulled the sheet off, the second to the last one, and, and the crowd was sure that this was the picture of Peace. As he pulled the sheet off, he, it revealed the picture, and it was this mirror-smooth lake, and, and the reflection of the, the, the birch trees was perfect in the sun and the, and the crystal glass sea, and there was some sheep grazing there in the meadow, and you could almost just feel your heart become more relaxed in this setting. They all thought, surely this was the winner. But then the king approached the last picture, and he pulled the sheet off, and, and it kind of took the crowd by surprise when they looked at the painting and, and they were confused because what they saw in the painting was a powerful waterfall pouring down this huge rocky mountain. It was almost as if they could feel its cold penetrating spray and off in the distance in the painting they could see the storm gray clouds building and, and the lightning flash and, and it was so vivid and real that they could almost hear the thunder and the wind and the rain. In the midst of all the thundering noise that was depicted and the bitter chill, chill there was this little tiny tree that was growing out the side of the mountain cliff and it was reaching into the, the, um, the waterfall that was coming down and almost challenging its power as it was coming down. And one of the, the branches, as it reached out into the water, they saw there in, in the crook of the branch that there was a nest. And in this picture, in this nest, there was a little mama bird in the nest. The mama bird was there content and completely undisturbed in her stormy surroundings. She rested on her eggs with eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones. When the king was asked, why would you choose this painting as your picture of peace? He says, because peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. You see, these, these two pictures... One represented an escape, and the other represented peace. Jesus didn't come to offer an escape. No, no, though we may want it, though we may wish for it, Jesus says, no, I have something so much better than an escape. He offers peace. Peace is knowing that everything is going to be okay, no matter what's happening around me. Jesus didn't come so that we could have better circumstances. Jesus didn't come so that we could hang out in this picture of, of serenity. Jesus came 
so that we could have peace no matter what storm, no matter what trial, no matter what sickness, no matter what difficulty, no matter what society, no matter what culture, no matter what government, no matter what anybody does, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody thinks, no matter how anybody changes our circumstances, Jesus says, I came so that you could have peace. It's not an escape from the storm. It's confident assurance that the presence of God is near in the storm. And that we have a God that pulls us close and that surrounds us and keeps us no matter what we may face. Jesus doesn't just come alone. When Jesus comes, he brings peace with him. That's good news. The second accessory that we're going to look at this morning is joy. Joy. We all want to be happy, don't we? Nobody in here wants to be happy. That's a bummer. Man, that's a bummer. We all want to be happy, I think. We all need a good laugh from time to time. Sometimes at the end of the day, it's been a stressful day with the kids and, you know, all that stuff that you're going through. You know, Melissa and I will finally have a chance to watch TV, what we want to watch, and I'll say, hey, you know, what do you want to watch? And she'll say, you know, I just need something funny. Just we need to find something to make me laugh. And so we're always, we, uh, good, good laughing is healthy. It's beneficial for us. They say laughter is the best medicine, and, and you really feel it because you feel better. I, I saw some of those pictures of the WM party that you ladies had last week, and it, man, it looked like there was a little bit too much laughing going on, if you ask me. But we all want to be happy, don't we? We want to be happy in our relationships. We want to be happy in our jobs. We want to be happy in our church. We want the church to make us happy. Sometimes it's the little things in life that make us happy. Just those little things that make us happy. Dunking Oreos in milk. That makes us happy, doesn't it? Does that make anybody else happy? Makes me happy. A little glass of milk, some Oreos. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. Makes us, those little things make us happy. I was driving the other day down 12th Street, and um, I don't know, which, which way this, whatever. Let's just pretend it goes this way. I was going driving this way, and um, just, you know, in my own little world, not thinking about anything, you know, just daydreaming. I don't know what I was doing. And, and, uh, and as I was driving this way, there was a cop coming this way. And, um, and, you know, I was probably just praying or something, you know, what pastors do always. Is, and um, the cop was coming this way and, and I was driving and, and I, you know, put my hand up to give him a little, you know, wave or acknowledgement like we do here in Nebraska. And, and as I looked over there, just as we were real close, he, he gave me a really stern, really hard cop look. And he does this real aggressively. He goes, this. he pointed down. I was like, yeah, you know, and so, because I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't think I was speeding, but I was. And so I, I hit the brakes, and I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. And then I look in the rearview mirror, and I'm waiting for the U-turn, and I'm waiting for the lights to pop on. But they never do, because he must have saw my brakes, and he must have known that I knew what that meant. And so he goes driving on, and I'm telling you, it's those little things that make you happy, amen? Every time you pass a cop and he keeps driving, you get a little happy, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter whether you're speeding or not. It's like, oh, there's a cop. Yes. You know, it just makes you feel good. It makes you happy. The problem with happiness is that can, it can be fickle and, and fleeting, can't it? The party ends, and I just don't feel as happy. The relationship severs, and I just don't feel as happy. The job downsizes, I just don't feel as happy. The cop turns around. I'm not as happy as I was. You know? Even those Oreos, they turn on you. They do. 
Like, they're good. They make you happy, but it's not so happy when your pants don't fit. You know what I'm talking about? It can be fickle and fleeting. We, in our culture, we celebrate the pursuit of happiness, but it often leads us feeling empty, doesn't it? I came across a couple of people who, by all accounts, should be the happiest people on the planet, but, but the message that they give towards the end of their life is something altogether different. Lord Byron, he lived a life of indulging in whatever pleasures he desired, and this is what he writes. He says, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. He indulged every pleasure that he could think of, and he says, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. He wasn't happy. Jay Gould, the American millionaire, had plenty of money, and on his deathbed, he says this, I suppose I'm the most miserable man on earth. He had everything, but he wasn't happy. Lord Beaconsfield was rich, famous, and loved by everyone, and he writes, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. He had everything, but he wasn't happy. King Solomon writes, we know this through scripture, he after spending time searching for happiness and indulging in just about every form of earthly pleasure he could think of, he finishes uh, the book of Ecclesiastes basically saying everything's meaningless, no point. It's like a chasing after a wind. It's pursuing the wind. He just, he wasn't happy. But we have to remember the scripture that we looked at last week. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds, Luke chapter two, verse 10. He said, but the angel assured him or assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will make you happy. He doesn't say that. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Jesus didn't come to make you temporarily happy. He didn't come to fix every single circumstance and situation in your life. He didn't come so that you would have one great big smile every single day for the rest of your life and there would be no pain, there would be no heartache, there would be no death, there would be none of that. Jesus didn't come to do that here on earth. He didn't come to make you happy. He didn't come to change the situation or the environment so that you would be happy. He came so that you would have great Joy, and joy is something that exists so much deeper and so much more intimately inside of us than happiness. I love the way David says it in Psalm 16, verse 11. David says to God, he says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. David knows that that intimacy and relationship with God equals not happiness, but joy and great pleasure. He knows that when you have a relationship with God, that's what matters most. That's where the joy lies. There's a difference between being happy and having joy. Happiness is based on what is happening around us. Joy is so much more. And, and you, you can recognize people who are happy if you go to a funny movie or, or maybe a comedian and everybody's laughing, everybody's kind of happy in that moment. But people with joy are altogether different, aren't they? People with joy... They, they express that joy no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, and they're different. They have a grace about them. People with joy rarely complain, even if they have reason to. People with joy rarely blame others, even though sometimes it's somebody else's fault. People with joy, they're generous and they're kind, they're forgiving, they smile, they laugh. People with joy have a reason to be joyful because they know Jesus. And it's something deeper. They have intimacy with the Lord. I'm amazed as, as a pastor of the many times that I've <clears throat> gone to visit people that have been sick and, and close to death and been in rooms with family and 
you know, you're there in hospice care, is there and set up. And, and I'm just amazed at the amount of time that I, I walk into those rooms and these believers are smiling. Even that person laying there on the bed, they're smiling. They're telling jokes. They're laughing about things. I, I, I just, I, I'll never forget, I, I went to a lady in the church to her, to her home and, and there, there, she had a friend there visiting her and sitting there on her, next to her bed and kind of talking to her. And, um, and, uh, and I walk in and I'm kind of standing on the edge just waiting my turn. And, uh, and she gets up and uh, the lady I was visiting couldn't see me, but her friend reached, leans over and says, well, I better go. You got some good looking young guy here to see you. And um, she looks over and she says, oh, that's my pastor. And oh, man, they were so embarrassed. You know, the, her friend was so embarrassed. Oh, I told, I said a pastor was good looking, sacrilegious, you know. You can say that, I don't care. <clears throat> but oh, she laughed. She said, oh, that's my pastor. And she started laughing so hard. And it just, it just amazes me to walk into those rooms and see people laughing. To see so much joy in those rooms. And, and I get it. I understand it because I, I understand who God is. But, but there's something about it that is just so different from, from what we know to be true. And I, and I look at this and, and I always kind of go through this thought process. I always feel like, like, what reason do you have to be happy? But I realize that it's not happiness that I'm looking at. There's not happiness in the room. It's a room full of joy, and that's altogether different. You see, you can be shedding tears and having joy in your heart at the same time. And you walk into rooms like that, and that's why, that's why non-believers will never understand this. They'll never understand it. Because they can have hope in the midst of a sad situation or circumstance. And every time I go into those rooms, I am blown away at the joy that is in that room. The world chases happiness. Say, if it makes you happy, go for it. Whatever feels good, do it. Jesus says, you know, I have something so much better. Not happiness, but joy. When Jesus comes, great joy comes with him. The third accessory that I want you to see this morning is hope. Hope. There's a big difference between a wish and a hope. <clears throat> My seven-year-old daughter wanted an iPhone for her birthday. Now, because she didn't get it for her birthday, it's on her Christmas wish list. She wants an iPhone. I tell her, that ain't happening. You keep on dreaming. You know, if you're going to have an iPhone, you better find a lamp with a genie in it. Because that is the only way you're getting an iPhone. And even if you find that lamp and rub it and you ask for an iPhone, I'm taking it from you. So don't waste your wish on an iPhone because it's not happening, you know. Letting her know, you ain't getting a cell phone. A wish doesn't often come with a lot of foundational strength to it. It just doesn't. There isn't a whole lot of confidence that your wish has the strength, has, has the, the foundation to stand on, to come true. It's just a wish. It's a flippant wish. I wish the economy would get better. We have those wishes, don't we? I wish the weather would. You know, we don't have any control over the weather. There's nothing we can do about the weather. But we wish that the weather would. You know, when you go on vacation and it's like the second day and, and, and it's cold outside. And you're like, man, I wish the weather would. You know, just deal with it. It's not changing. I wish my boss would. And you know, we have those wishes. I wish my spouse would. You know, we all have those things that we wish our spouse would stop doing or start doing. Right? 
I wish my spouse would learn to run the toilet seat. Keep on wishing because that's not happening. Just deal with it. I wish my kids would. You know, I wish my kids would, would get along. I wish my kids would stop fighting. I, I wish my kids would, would be kind to each other. And we have those wishes. I, I had a conversation with Abram, my oldest. It was, it was a while back. And I'll never forget it. Uh, we were talking about like food and, and diet stuff. And he was just kind of feeling bummed about some things. And he said, you know what, Dad? I wish God would have made vegetables taste like donuts and donuts taste like vegetables. Preach on, brother. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. We have those wishes, don't we? You know? Some of you may be thinking, man, I wish I was 23 and hot again like I used to be. I wish I could just eat whatever I want and not have to worry about it. I wish this cholesterol stuff didn't exist. I wish there was no such thing as cholesterol. I hate it. I wish I wasn't so out of shape. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl. Stop it with all this rap stuff today. I don't know what's going on. <clears throat> Let's look to scripture. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 says this. So God has given both his promises, everybody say promises, and his oath. So God has given his promises and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Look at what he's saying. And, and the, the writer of Hebrews is saying God has given his promises, and whatever God promises cannot be broken or changed because it's impossible for God to lie. So when God gives a promise, you can take it to the bank. And God gives an oath. And because it's impossible for God to lie, you Guarantee, you better believe that this oath is going to become a reality. So God gives his promises and his oath, and these two things are unchanging because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. What are we hoping in? We're hoping in the promises that cannot be changed and the oaths that cannot be changed. We hold on to the hope that lies before us. And look at this picture. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We have hope because we have a promise. And that hope exists as an anchor to our souls that says, no matter how bad the storm rages, I won't be moved because I'm hoping in a promise that cannot be broken. Man, that's good. Man, that's good. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Why? Because God is faithful. And his word will never change. Our hope is strong because our hope is attached to a strong God. A wish is just something you want, but a hope comes with a promise. And the more faithful the promise giver, the stronger that hope is. Many of you may have heard about the story years ago of a man named Eugene Ladd. He was a self-made millionaire and he greatly changed the lives of one sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang was invited to come to the class and speak to them about how he, you know, became such a, a massive success. And as he was going to that class, he's thinking, how can I speak to this class of 59 sixth graders that, in a way that will inspire them or change, how can I even get their attention? As he's going, he decides, I'm just going to get rid of my notes because most of these kids are going to drop out of school anyway. 
He didn't know how he was going to connect with a, a predominantly black and Puerto Rican class of children. And so he throws his notes away and he says this message. He says, stay in school. Work hard. Stay in school. And then he tells them this. He says, I'll help pay the college tuition for every single one of you who graduate. At that moment, the lives of all 59 of those sixth graders began to change. For the first time, they had hope. It wasn't just a wish. It was a hope attached to a promise. One student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. The story goes on to say that about 90% of that class graduated high school when most of them would have dropped out without the promise before they were a sophomore. They had something to look forward to, something to strive for, something to work hard for. It wasn't just a wish, it was a hope attached to a promise from a man who was able to deliver. We ought to be people of great hope. Why? Because we serve a God that has given us a great promise. A promise of forgiveness, a promise of freedom, the promise of intimacy with God, the promise of eternal life, the promise that says Jesus, or where Jesus says, you know, in this world you have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We, we have a promise that we are in relationship with a God who has overcome this world. We have a great promise, the promise of salvation, the promise of eternity, the promise of victory, the promise that was given to us that very first night at Bethlehem. We have reason for peace. We have reason for joy. We have reason for hope because Jesus was willing to set aside his glory to come live as a man amongst us, to die the death that we should have died. And as a people, as believers, we have to stop just cracking the door open and barely making room for Jesus and just, you know, getting bare minimum Jesus. We have to blow that door wide open so Jesus and all these accessories can come with us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly because that's what Jesus came to deliver. Stand your feet all across this place. We're going to close in, in a time of prayer. You see, we spend too much time trying to escape. Jesus says, I have something better. I have peace. We spend too much time pursuing happiness. Jesus says, I have something better. I deliver joy. We waste too much time in wishful thinking. Jesus says, I have something better than just a wish. I can give you hope. Today you may be here and you may need some peace. There's stress, there's pain, there's anxiety in your life and you need some peace. Maybe you're here today and you need joy. Not just happiness. You don't need your circumstances to change. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you up in spite of your circumstances. You need joy. Maybe you're here today and you've forgotten that you have a great promise. Because you have a great promise, you have a reason for hope. You feel things are hopeless, but you serve a great God who delivers on his promises. Maybe today you just need more of Jesus. Maybe today you just need to blow that door open and invite Jesus to be in your situation because you can't have real hope without Jesus. You can't have real joy without Jesus. You can't have real peace without Jesus. You can't pick and choose. This isn't a la carte. You can't just have one of these without the other. You need Jesus first. And when you have Jesus, all of these come with it. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect with us or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit mynsag.com.